artificial intelligence is just paying into, you know, development and speed that up. And also the pull from the end users. Uh, I don't want to wait 20 minutes until my car is charged. Welcome to the Beyond Sourcing podcast, a podcast series brought to you by SAP about procurement leaders, procurement pioneers, and their stories behind the transformation and the movements they were behind sourcing. My name is Tamara Braun, Chief Customer Officer, SAP Procurement Solutions, Intelligence Band and Business Network. Today, I'm excited to have Christine Cheminet with me. Christine is the Director for Global Purchasing of Battery Systems at Webasto Group one of the 100 largest suppliers to the automotive industry worldwide. Welcome, Christine. It is a great pleasure for me having you with us today. Thank you, Tamara. Uh, wonderful to meet you here. Looking forward to our session. Super. Christine, it would be great if you can tell me and the audience a little bit about you. Sure. Well, actually, I'm a mechanical engineer with a business, business administration background, and I worked in the automotive industry then more than 20 years now. Uh, basically, I started um, already in my studies with an, say, abroad stay in the US and Japan, which really gave me a lot of push also in my passion to work internationally and uh, learn about people, behavior. Um, and at that time, I was really focused more on sales and, and production. Uh, but then after my first, uh, you know, jump into the industry in a, in a sales marketing position, by chance, I moved to purchasing, actually more driven by a buzzword like VAVE. So I changed the side of the coin, let's put it this way. I moved to procurement and I really liked it. And I find it super interesting how broad the activities are, how wide span is and the impact um, and the value procurement can give to the company. And saying this, um, after some time I changed uh, uh, to Webasto, first in project purchasing and then um, got um, a call to uh, kick off the indirect purchasing in the group by capex and then logistics it and services came all along and then in the beginning of this year there was the possibility to take over the purchasing activities for our business unit uh, batteries and here i am i'm i really enjoy the new challenges and uh, the growth of this new business unit that's amazing. And, and Christine, it's an amazing track record. And I have to be very, very careful, not immediately diving into battery systems, indirect procurement and all around, because our podcast is really beyond sourcing. It is really about the amazing personalities behind the sourcing. I met you nearly one year ago when we prepared for another event. And I was, I must frankly say, very, very amazed how you combine your, your career, which is really wow, and the family. And uh, I, I would say, not really telling too much private, but I find it very 
important, energizing, and, and you are a role model with having two sons in the age of uh, 14 and eight, if I remember right, and uh, how you really focus on your career and how you focus on your family. So how do you combine these both worlds? So the private life, the business life, and recently with the COVID situation, really with homeschooling, home office, everything together. I am sure you can tell our audience quite a little bit about this, how they can master these challenges. Yeah, actually, that's, um, you know, it, it developed, actually, frankly speaking. And at that time, when I uh, wanted to combine it, it was not so, let's say, normal. And given today, it's more but still we need more ladies uh, and more diversity for sure. And yes, it's exhausting sometimes, but I think it really pays back. For me personally, I really wanted this combination. You know, I have a, I'm so lucky to have a very good education and having the chance to stay abroad. I was never in fear of technologies. I always really admired that and was kind of looking uh, where I can glimpse and grab information and, and get more out of that. And let me build a bridge that was maybe something my dad influenced many years ago when I was a little child sitting on his lap when he was repairing old TVs, you know, or later on then taking me to expos uh, like Electronica or such where I mean, at that time, I didn't realize it. But when I look back, uh, of course, I see it was full of guys, basically, and, and very little amount of ladies. But at that time, I didn't realize that. And for me, it was super normal to deal with men on the one side. So there was uh, always a good feeling. I, I felt that I was kind of spoiled to have the chance uh, to go through these experiences. And looking back, I think this also really helped me then in university when we were just, I mean, three or four ladies with a whole bunch of guys uh, with these engineering studies. And I was even, let's say, a little bit proud to, to say, well, I was always one of the good ones in mass and, and, and um, you know, mechanics. So um, I think that pushed me more than it, it scared me. So that's why today, uh, sometimes I'm really surprised hearing young people to speak about, you know, how do you combine family and job? Because for me, that's all about, you know, what you want and how do you find solutions? I think there's not one way that you can master. I think there are multiple ways. And uh, I believe you have to be very honest to yourself. You know, you look inside what fits your personal life, your partner, your total setup and your company and how you can combine that. And I think um, it, there are multiple ways out there and it's more to take the courage to go for it and also convince you know, your counterparts or peers that yes, I can. And yes, I'm, I have a leadership and I'm responsible. And yes, I have a family and that yes, it works together. And I think this is a lot about, um, you know, also selling this concept, so to speak, internally and, and sharing that both is possible. I mean, we are not, we are not child cares. We are not watching hourly what our people are doing. We go for results. So we lead by results. So, and I think this makes a big change. And also this way of thinking, I would really like to encourage, especially young ladies, but also young men to look for their own situation, see what, what drives them, what makes them happy, makes them passionate and find solutions that fit. And I think that's, for me, that's a little secret how 
such kind of combination can work. There is a lot of food for thoughts in Christina, I have really to say. And I must say, it really touched me when you said uh, a part of the inspiration for going into the engineering, going into the technician way was really coming from the inspiration of your dad. So when you saw what he is doing, and um, this I find very, very important, especially to motivate, and uh, it is close to your heart, close to my heart, that we motivate young female really also to look into areas of the job which are not so common and therefore you are a, a great role model so thanks a lot for sharing this this is really very very kind of you i have a question because i was sitting here and i was smiling most probably you you hear it now in my voice how much i'm smiling when you said selling the concept selling the concept really of combining the family and the job. And what would be your USP? What is your unique selling point to, to sell this story? <laughs> For me, it's I can do. I'm convinced uh, I can do. And it's not a matter of how many hours or days I'm available. I think I'm a leader in the meaning of spirit of mindset of targets of being there if people need me so this is my concept of leadership but in the meaning of selling uh, this is more to my peers or my superiors um, to share and show that this is possible and that i'm capable and um, so let's say this um, selling activity is for sure something to show that the goals you put to yourself or that you get from the company are achievable, no matter how much time you invest. I mean, it's for me, it's not about 60, 70 hours per week. It's more about, you know, how you work smart, how you get things going and put the right focus, prioritization, Think about, is it really necessary, all the bits and pieces I'm doing, or do I have to focus more? And this is not like a one-time activity that happens forever. I think that's a frequent process. And you have to redo this again and again and look what is required and kind of move and um, act to the needs. And the needs are changing, sometimes faster, sometimes a little slower. But I think uh, what, what you always should keep in mind to be um, you watch, you have to watch, and you have to be realistic and, and also a bit open and honest. You know, it, it's better to be honest if it hurts a little once in a while, but I think it gives a grand, grand chance, um, you know, to go for the, the, the goals and the needs of the business units or the company or the function that you're in. And I fully agree with you. So honesty is not always easy. Honesty needs a lot of courage, but at the end it pays really off because uh, all the people around you need your point of view. They, they know your point of view. They know your standpoint and that's easy in the interaction. Maybe, Christine, allow me one last question. So uh, in regards to the private topic, 
um, you live together with your husband and the two sons. So you have at home a ratio three to one, <laughs> maybe Again. the same what you had at <laughs> university. And uh, do you do you have a kind of list where you say, hey, they help you in performing homework or everyone has maybe a special task which uh, he performs so that you bring it together, that you can master it a little bit more easy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's for sure, Tamara, and this is also very, very frank. I think it's not manageable to have all the bits and pieces then also on my shoulders, maybe like in traditional cases. And I think that's also one of the keys. So in the family, I think it needs to be shared, the responsibilities, you know, and also which tasks are taken by whom. Everybody has you know, preferences. So why not use that? And then what I also learned in the years is that, um, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of proud of helping hands. No, I don't need somebody. But at the end of the day, that's not true. So of course, why should I not, you know, take the helping hands on the way? So my mom was there for a little while. Then, I mean, there's kind of externals that you can hire just to help you, you know, also with Last year, for example, with the COVID, with supporting the children when I was working and they needed, I wanted them to have a good care. And I think that that's a healthy balance. And yes, indeed, my husband is also taking care of quite a lot of things. Um, and I think that's the deal also between us that we share. And, um, and I think that's also a learning. And this is something I think we can also encourage uh, to young families um, try to share. I mean, uh, the so you you share the fruits, but you also share the the, the rules. You share the the work. I think that's fair. And at the end of the day, when you see what you get, um, I think it makes also more happiness to everybody. And yes, the kids also have to to do their activities. I mean, they have to help sometimes. Sometimes they are free, and and they can do. Um, you know, their own things. But at the end of the day, they have also responsibilities. This is a great message really for, for young female leaders, I would say really uh, to say, hey, share, share not only the success, share not only the pleasure which you have, share as well the work and the responsibility really to had to achieve it jointly as well. And, uh, and that's very important. I believe still, uh, and this is what I see when I talk with uh, the next generation female, still they have the feeling that they are on their own and that they need to work much more, that they have to go the extra mile. So therefore, maybe that's really great. And I hope a lot of young female leaders are listening to our podcast and they take it today with them, that they can share work and that they can share responsibility. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. And uh, looking into this topic, the, the next generation, uh, what I realize, uh, Christina, and I'm really happy to get your view on the topic here as well. Uh, years and years ago, we talked about war of talents, and it was a, a little bit a buzzword. Today, we, and in particular in the procurement area, we really suffer to get the young talents on board, and then as well, retain them. So do you have made 
similar experience or do you say, hey, no, at Webasto, that's all fine. We have a good mixture between the generation, between the gender, between the geographies, or have you experienced something similar? Well, I, I'd say both. Uh, it's not so easy to um, explain also procurement. I think sometimes it's, uh, it's this wide impression it's like on an Italian market and you bargain about prices and I think that's long time past it's also not only about contracting and negotiation and communication even that's still a big part and yes of course we have to ensure competitiveness for the company but I think in addition more and more today we talk about the value add what are we what's our value add to the company I mean I think in in many producing industries it's still clear that round about 60 percent of material costs are influenced by procurement so and now, of course, the question is how to do that and what does it mean to the people? And uh, for me, so uh, sometimes I have the impression that it's not so clear, widely speaking, also uh, um, between young people, maybe coming from university, what, what does it has all in? I mean, which different areas do we cover in procurement? You know, if you look to the category, the strategic jobs, the operations in the, the, the projects, the costings, then, you know, a kind of business development also that goes along with procurement. So I think there are many, many different areas. On the other side, I have to say, we are also lucky. I mean, we are located uh, in Munich and um, plus this industry of batteries and e-mobility, of course, there's a lot of room for talents. And I think there's also an interest because at least my feeling is people would like to be part of this new world, let's put it this way, this new trends and 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 give impact and uh, think about what could be the best approaches. I think we see that it's not all frozen in stone and fixed and finished, which is really nice. I mean, it is still maybe volatile and sometimes the dynamics are running over us even, but uh, at the end of the day is so active in the market. There are so many things going on and so many different areas to cover that I think it gives and allows a lot of room. And I think we are lucky because we are in this market. Okay, so then uh, I would say, Christina, we, we continue <laughs> with the, with the topic uh, that we... Because you mentioned a, a, a great topic when you when you said uh, you can be happy to be in an environment where you have really the trend topics, the battery topics, the electromobility topics. Maybe we can jump into this point. Sure. Super. What do you want to know? No, with with, with the talent. So I I would say this uh, this is really that that's absolutely important to say in, in which industry you are in to get the talents. And uh, you mentioned uh, that you have really, you have the trend topics at the moment. So you, especially in, in your area of responsibility, you are taking care of better resourcing. This is really a, a hype topic at the moment. Uh, yeah, and, and you are focusing on uh, e-mobility, which will 
change the entire industry in, in Germany or, or at least worldwide. And so maybe therefore it is, uh, it is a little bit easier to get the good talents. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great area of uh, working. I think there's a lot of tasks that are still floating, which I think is also great for talents because it means they can prove their capabilities and show and give impact and input, you know. And uh, I mean, as always, discussions are then fruitful if you bring different options and opinion, not options, opinions in there. I mean, if you have different point of view and, and then a healthy mixture of, let's say, young guys or young girls and um, more, let's say, older uh, or uh, experienced um, uh, people is a healthy mixture. And then if you combine also from maybe the cultural background, different point of views and also expectation. I think expectation for the, the white generation are different than maybe to my parents. And that's, that's good. Uh, but it also means that we need to hear different voices to understand what's going on. And I think this should also then, let's say, bring us to other levels um, and other results and also giving then, you know, when we take decisions, I think it's very fruitful and valuable to hear these voices, whatever we decide then. But I think at least there's the transparency and it gives us pushes in the right direction, I would say. And, and this is real, this is diversity. This is diversity so that you have from, from all the areas really the, the best. And so that you have the opinion from the young generation, that you have the opinion from the more experienced generation, that you have the opinion from male, female, that you have the opinion around the globe. And, and this is really diversity. And I would say this is a key success factor to have a great team in, in place. Uh, absolutely. Maybe, Christina, coming a little bit back to, to you personally, and uh, you gave us an insight to where you were coming from, that you were first in sales and then moving to procurement. This is a great development itself, but I know that you as well moved through uh, quite a good number of different departments within procurement. So you were responsible for indirect uh, procurement and uh, you were the, responsible for project uh, procurement and now for battery, purchasing batteries. So was this a, <laughs> was this a natural a career move or was this something where you raised a hand and where you said this is so trendy and I would like to go there? Well I, I, I'd say both you know I'm even that I'm so long in procurement I'm really curious and I, I liked you know market trends I like new things and I like to push the feet in areas where there are no feet before and, and leave foot marks I, I think that's a little bit my nature you know I'm not the person to administrate something that is maybe already quite nice uh, that's that's not my thing and then you know there was a point where I really raised the hand and say I'd like I, I'm open you know I'm open to something else so if there's a, a possibility please let me know and we can discuss about it and then this possibility came and um, I said yes 
yeah, it's it's a totally different um, a different setup. But uh, for me, this is really the future, and I want to be part of that, and I want to influence this. And I think uh, that with the experience that I bring from so many years in different companies, that's also something that is healthy uh, for this business unit. And uh, yeah, and that exactly is, uh, that, is... that was the main move. Yeah, and this is this is what we need: this healthy mixture in such a, a trend uh, topic. And um, Christina, you mentioned it nicely. Webasto is based in Munich, which is a beautiful, beautiful uh, city. And recently, the International Automobile Fair moved from Frankfurt to, to Munich. And in the preparation mm -hmm. to this podcast, I, I read a little bit uh, and I was really amazed when I read that uh, this IAA is already since 1900 and uh, they paused in 1939 because of the Second World War. And uh, till then it was in, in, in Berlin, then they started in, in Frankfurt. And the last fair was 2019 in, in Frankfurt before they moved to Munich. And in Munich, there was a completely new concept of this mobility fair, automotive uh, fair. Have you had a chance uh, visiting maybe one or two days this fair? Because uh, I can imagine there as well great inspirations for you, good talks with uh, suppliers and with customers. So have you had a chance going there? Yes, indeed, I was there. Uh, actually, there are, I mean, there are a lot of uh, different voices on the IAA in Munich. Uh, you probably know it's a completely different setup. So before in Frankfurt, the last one was a huge exhibition, pure automotive, um, pure international. And now the concept changed, let's say with COVID, of course, it was more, let's say, uh, more German or European driven. But um, actually, I thought uh, the concept was also nice because there was a part on the expo, so on the expo area, and then there were booths in the city. So, and of course, this gives the end users the chance and the families to just stop by, not buying a ticket, get a smell from different companies, get some impressions, ask questions, and have this touch feeling. Let's say that the downside maybe was that on the expo, we really missed the big international companies or, may, or some of them at least. But I mean, on the other side, if you think about when the decision was taken to be there, uh, I mean, there was still COVID and nobody knew what to do. What I took as a takeaway uh, from the expo, I thought when I entered there, I was actually a little bit surprised because half, half of the expo was cars and a lot of immobility, which was great. Uh, and then the other half, let's say, was bicycles, rollers, services. So this was a totally different approach. But for me personally, I thought this is, a, is the right way to say, hey, guys, something is changing. You know, we are not continuing with petrol-only driven cars. Now is a new area and a new time, maybe. And we see 
different aspects and why not having this combined with different concepts of mobility? I mean, always we talk about, you know, shared mobility. What are the concepts for tomorrow for mega cities? How do we charge the cars? How is the grid system? Which services do we get along? Is it safe and secure? And then the batteries and the chargings itself. So for me, I liked it. I thought also when I, I was one evening in Munich uh, to have a look on the booth, also on our booth actually, uh, but also on other ones. And it was really loaded. Uh, and I thought that's nice because it gives a bigger range of people who would never see a, a, a glimpse of the IAA, the chance uh, to be there and, um, you know, just feel also what's going on there. And um, yeah. I think it gives a little glimpse and a sign in the direction there are changes on the market. And that is what we see, actually. And now this was happening in an exhibition which was in the past purely traditionally automotive only, with huge boosts of one company. Um, and of course, a lot of business and relationship contacts, but actually what I liked also this time on the expo area, even that internationally, not all, let's say countries, especially Asia were able to participate. We saw a lot of, I would say most likely expats. I mean, to us also, we had visits with expats from Asian or American uh, uh, companies, which, um, was showing, well, they cannot come personally, but they sent their residents to us and probably also to the other booths to understand what's going on, to get a feedback and maybe also think about what they will do the next time and what is the right concept. And I think everybody is still looking and searching what is the right balance for the future, also for this kind of exhibitions. And, and this is really interesting. I, I like this setup, what you explained, that you say throughout the city, you had uh, different stands, different booths where the people could go. So it is a little bit then away from these crowded halls, which you usually have. Nevertheless, uh, it is also giving a, a completely new feeling of, uh, mm -hmm. of event uh, to, to the visitors and uh, yeah. Maybe we can stay curious and uh, maybe the IAA is moving into a IMA, into a international um, mobility, mobility. <laughs> <laughs> something like, like that. And, and it, is, it is the right point in time and it is not only it's not only e-mobility, it is not only battery, it is going uh, really beyond so much uh, more. So, um, Christina, when, when I talk to a lot of uh, leaders, and, and not only in procurement, really supply chain or uh, across the entire company, it is really that uh, sustainability is becoming the top, top topic uh, what we are talking uh, about and really this is going far beyond uh, e-mobility it's going far beyond only yeah electronic vehicles it is really also how the the carbon footprint looks like in our products it is also how circular economy uh, kicks in I can imagine you in, in your area of responsibility with these 
veterinary procurement, that you are confronted day by day with this topic of sustainability. Can you uh, share with me a little bit how you are managing the sustainability topic, how you pay into the sustainability goals uh, with a topic which is still in, in discussion? That would be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think the sustainability is uh, one of the key aspects that drive, will drive us in the, in the next years for sure. I mean, I think I would be uh, not correct to say everything is, is done uh, tech, uh, but actually I think it's uh, also to share with you my, my personal point of view, I think is super important for the, the whole industry. You know, we come from mega cities, but also to smaller cities. We see the pollution. Uh, we see that the, the traditional way of moving around, um, this will not lead us to a solution that is, um, you know, balanced uh, globally speaking. So um, saying this, I think one of the solutions for sure is, uh, is e-mobility and, and battery for sure. I think for the moment, um, that is what we see from a technology point of view, the best approach if we compare with other, um, uh, let's say, uh, mobility concepts, if you, if you say hydrogen fuel cells or such. But I mean, in the, at the end of the day, uh, the evolution will show us where it drives us. And we have to be frank and open and also very clear how we push that. So for me, the sustainability is really a big picture thing because it we need to look from cradle to grave, so to speak, or end to end. I mean, uh, so when we at one point of time, we buy something and put it in our value chain of production and sell it to customer and it goes to end customer. So at the end of, uh, of the, the, the whole concept about is to ensure that the end customer is ensured that what is there from the beginning is in a reasonable way, what we call, call sustainable. So what does it really mean to us? We, it means that also in procurement, we have to be very clear what we are buying and what our partners are buying and what the partners of the partners are buying. So this whole supply chain, and I think that's a lot about transparency, which is not completely there today. And there are areas where there's a lot of chemistry or the raw materials from maybe mining or such, uh, where we have to put further focus and more focus. And then new technologies and maybe also new impulses will be necessary and, and will hit us there. If you think about recycling, you think recycling is at the end of the chain. But actually, nowadays, we're talking, can recycle give us, you know, the beginning again of the chain and give us these materials that we need for, let's say, the cell production or from, you know, the steel or aluminium to take it back in a reasonable way. Where do we get the energy to do this recycling? How do we develop the technologies that with these, let's say, amounts of material that we will have in the future, that this is in a well balance, that we don't put more energy in that we get out, 
uh, but the other way around. And, and there it comes up with scaling. I mean, this is something uh, I think you hear on the market also a lot, but from a procurement point of view, this is something very natural to us. I mean, if the volumes get better and bigger, then you find other solutions. It's like automatization. I mean, if you have small volumes, you do it by hand. If you have big volumes, you run it through machines. So this is kind of the same concept behind. And are we there already? No, I don't think so. I think today we are still at the quite the beginning with a lot of good ideas. And now this point also with the talent pays in again, because I really think that companies, smart people, maybe startups, maybe big companies, whoever, is a great opportunity to find the right place in this chain to enable us to have a true sustainable situation at one point of time. And this is not only the production of the product itself. For me, there's also paying in, are we using renewable energy sources? Where do they come from? You know, um, how are people treated? You know, are we having long distance shipments? Can we reduce, you know, the CO2 footprint from all around? Which other services are coming in where we need to pay attention that all the energy we put in the sustainability of the product itself can still be in a, in a, in a valuable situation that it's not then bouncing to one side because we don't pay attention to that. At the end of the day, I think we want to have this low pollution CO2 situation, CO2 reduced situation or emission free even in the, from the whole point of chain. And this is a challenge, but we already see we already see solutions on the market and that make me very positive and very hopeful that there will be more that we will see. I, I see it really in the energy with uh, this energized <laughs> feeling you are explaining it that uh, you see great chances here in the in the market and, and you touched uh, excellent topics, really this uh, advantage which companies have with a strong sustainability footprint as well to get more and more talents for them because the young generation is really looking for, for this uh, and uh, that's very important. You mentioned something which is for me personally super interesting when you say maybe it starts already with the recycling. So recycling is not only at the end of the, the value chain, it really can be at the beginning to say, hey, what can we use already from recycled materials, especially when it comes to these uh, very, very raw, uh, material, very rare raw materials, which we have in batteries. So this is, this is a great uh, view on the topics to say, hey, let us focus on the recycle topic at the beginning of the supply chain, not only at the, at the end. That uh, That's cool. And I'm sure, Christina, uh, the audience uh, will reconsider this as well. Thanks, thanks for this inspiring thought. Thank you. Christina, in the, in the preparation for this podcast, I had a, a great conversation with a colleague of mine and... Uh, he told me that there was already a kind of electronic revolution in the 1900s. So where they really tried to bring these 
electromobility to the market, but there were really quite a lot of other engines as well. So it was really the steam engines at this point in time and the combustion engines came up and, and we all know where, where it ended so that uh, we uh, really came via the steam engines to the combustion engines and they last till today. So therefore, do you think the situation what we have today is comparable with the 1900s or do you think electromobility is not only a hype, it is really something which is the new normal in the future? Yeah, I think you recall to the very, very early beginning, uh, which most of us probably don't know. It's something at really in 1880 something where the first, I think, electrical driven carriage was implemented. And um, at that time, there was a big hope to go further with this technology. I think electricity was just there and be so inspiring and give so many new opportunities. And uh, this industry with the combustion uh, motors uh, was basically eating up this uh, first initial hype. Well, uh, to me, I think the situation is a bit different. At that point of time, of course, um, it's incredible that there has been already some electrical driven vehicles really there and then not being, um, you know, the one who who win the race, basically. Um, if I recall it right, I think at that time to start such a vehicle, you had really to crane it like and then uh, you go and then the motor would start, the electrical motor would start. Then in addition, you know, the reachability from the distance was not that convincing. I mean, already quite good if we think about that we didn't have self-driven cars or carriages at that time. Uh, and then second, or thirdly, um, I think the, the petrol at that time went in a much different price range. So then you see again, uh, the, the, the mobility needs to have a certain price tag. And if then there is a better solution on the market, it just eats it up. And I think that what happened at that day. And I think today, um, of course, the question is reasonable. And I would say the e-mobility is not there only since a few years. We have that longer already that we see it. And we have new challenges in our ecosystem, I'd say. So the um, direction of CO2 emission pollution reduction is so much key that I think the big push in finding alternative um, mobility concept is really giving a lot of push. Um, for the time being, I personally just see the e-battery really as a solution that could, could do it also on a big scale. Uh, but of course, we see alternative uh, technologies on the market. Probably only in a few years from now, we will see who win the race and, and win the evolution. But for the time being, I would say this is really not a hype and this is the bridge also to support basically a development phase from a high pollution cities to a situation where people can also have a different environment and yes of course there is um, a lot around that that needs to find solutions but 
uh, normally if something gets started, then there will be solution following. Thanks a lot, Christine, for your view. You hit, from my point of view, a very important uh, topic, and this is the infrastructure topic. So it is not only that we produce the cars, that we bring the cars to the market. It is really that we have to provide the infrastructure that uh, everyone can, can load everything. And uh, you mentioned it perfectly a couple of minutes ago with the ERR in, uh, in Munich. It is not only the electro car, it is the electro scooter, it is the electro bike. So everything goes uh, in the direction electro. And when I look around, I see here at the supermarket that they are building up an infrastructure. I see it in the companies that they are providing it to their employees. Uh, but when I think about really how is the distance which you can reach with the battery and how often you have on your trip really to use the infrastructure. I have question marks when we are ready. And I know this is looking into the crystal bowl once again, but do you have a little bit of feeling, Christina? What, what is your best guess? Um, when do you think is the infrastructure in a shape that we say, hey, it is easy going from A to B and you do not need to get a headache. So it is really maybe similar as we have it today with the gasoline stations. Yeah, and for me, I'm still wondering if we will not see other technologies than this charger. If we look to the charging units today, I think they can do already a lot. If you think about this, um, you know, the high voltage charger, which are much faster than if you load them overnight. Uh, and you know, uh, probably from the newspapers, there are experiments or tests, trials, you know, you park a car somewhere and it's underneath and it's inductive from the from down or you are, um, you know, and I'm still wondering why technologies should not even bring new ideas. Uh, and this will build the bridge uh, and make it maybe even faster to market. We don't see that yet, but I always compare it for, for myself. I always compare it with the development of a, of a normal PC. Remember, maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, it was a whole room and we thought, oh my God, that's like a data center today. And, um, and today we end up with a small mobile and it has almost same functions that we had with such a PC in the past. Okay, yes, many years passed, but we see the development of technology so much faster nowadays, you know, with all the uh, global connections and the international corporations of universities, companies. In my expectation, I would think that uh, this, you know, this um, exchange of information, also the IA, uh, the, the intelligence, the artificial intelligence is just paying into, you know, developments and speed that up. And also the pull from the end users, uh, I don't want to wait 20 minutes until my car is charged, will give room to innovations. And I personally really expect that there will be steps that we maybe even don't consider today. Maybe you stand on a, right, on a red traffic light and you have a quick supercharging 
two minutes activity and it gives you another 100k to drive who knows uh, i mean just thinking wild and i think um, uh, we, we need to um, step back a little bit from all that what we know today and give room to other solutions and uh, it yes indeed i think also it will be challenging and maybe sometimes we will see ideas on the market that sound super and they still don't fly and and then we need to go on i mean that's also the advantage of um, you know having multiple innovations and, and and just really ideas and brain coming together to find solutions and i would not expect that it takes 20 or 30 years until we have a infrastructure that works sufficiently christina you opened a door great wide for me and this is wild thinking I am a strong believer that especially in these areas, when we are talking about the new technologies, when we are talking about combining it with sustainability, if we have a look really to the young talents, to the diversity topics, we need the wild thinkers. What would be your wildest thought when you look not so far into the future, but maybe if you say 2030, how would a wild thought be? How does 2030 look like? Well, maybe I, I, I step out of my door and there's kind of like a cryptocopter or something like a mini autonomous driving, flu, uh, driving taxi or flying taxi. And I don't need to go in the traffic two dimensional, but maybe it gives me a hop and a loop. Uh, to my working space um, where I want to have a meeting with my, my team members. Uh, so this is kind of a crazy thoughts uh, of myself that I'm thinking, well, I think we will not be only two-dimensional in the past. I think um, for sure there will be three dimensions and I'm not talking about uh, airplanes or such, just, you know, shorter distance, but maybe in the concept of sharing mobilities, I think also this, we need to step back and don't think of a bus that we know like a school bus and he's driving in the city on a magnetic field or whatever. I think truly there will be other ways how we will control or manage such kind of movements around. Or maybe even, you know, like on the air, airport sometimes when you have those rollers and you stand there to get from one terminal to the other, maybe we will see such kind of combined solutions in mega cities, you know, on, on big traffics and how to get in and out. I mean, we need solutions for the future. And I'm not talking about Munich. I'm talking about cities like Shanghai or Tokyo uh, or Rio, you name it, uh, where for sure the, the, the traditional setup and how we're thinking today, I don't see that in 20 years. Maybe 2030 is a little bit quick. But um, if you go a little bit beyond, uh, I think uh, we, we need to be open uh, to do it. Yeah, why not thinking about Munich uh, too? So uh, if you say you have multi-dimensions uh, in the transportation, hey, why not going with this to the to the Munich Oktoberfest and uh, avoid uh, huge traffic jams? That That's really a great wide uh, thought. Uh, Christine, I, I could talk for, for hours uh, with you, but uh, we are coming a little bit uh, closer to, to the end of, uh, of the time. And I would like to ask you a question. If you have today or if you have had today the chance for 
three wishes. What would be your three wishes where you say, hey, that would be absolute amazing if these wishes be coming true? I think my first wish would be that truly everybody would support young girls, no matter which culture, everywhere around the world to go to school and have the chance to do and take a decision if they want to go in a professional way or want to stay home. And I think both ways are fine, but have an, a true own decision to go, do so and are encouraged by the environment, by their moms and dads and sisters and brothers and really supported without comments about uh, if you want to have a baby, blah, 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 uh, but really to have this openness and the support widely speaking, and I'm not talking about Germany, I mean that really from a global point of view, that I think this is something I would really love to see in the future. Then secondly, me privately, I'm, I'm really also a bit concerned about our situation of Earth. So for me privately, and, and I try also to, you know, impact that from a professional point of view, I really hope that um, we find and have the right decisions for our solutions and uh, what we go for in the reason of mobility, but also waste, recycling, and so on from the whole chain. Not only talking about vehicles, but from a, let's say, a holistic, more global point of view. And yes, I know this is a bit idealistic, but I think it needs all hands on deck and, and, and multiple um, ideas to find solution and not discuss about why it's not working. Think about how can it work and what can every one of us influence? So this is a second. And number three, well, this is my most two topics, let's put it this way. I think um, the number three would probably be, you know, it's well balanced and we still don't stop to think about even better ideas. Um, you know, I think as humans, we should take the advantage to always think about what could be even a little bit better, smarter, make us more happy, give us, you know, joy and health. And also in this direction, um, yeah, you know, to, to, to drive our future. Thanks a lot, Christine, for your openness, for sharing these very, very personal views uh, at the end with us. I highly appreciate it. I would like to thank you very much for being here with me today. I would like also to thank you, audience, very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more about Christine, you can look her up on LinkedIn. Stay tuned for more episodes of Beyond Sourcing podcast. You can also visit the link in the description box for more resources about some of the strategies discussed by our guests. And of course, please like, share and subscribe to our podcast. And always stay curious about what lies beyond sourcing.